Businesses thrive by knowing customer insights because today's insights are tomorrow's facts. At iResearch, we live and breathe insights. And despite searching high and low, we were unable to find a customer insights podcast that answers one of the most important questions in business. Why do customers do what they do? So we launched one. Hi, I'm your host, Darshan Mehta. On this podcast, we talk about insights, but insights are only insightful if you can communicate them properly. That's where Randy Crumb comes in. Randy is the owner and author of Cool Infographics and the founder, president, and chief designer at InfoNute. More importantly, Randy is passionate about communicating insights through visuals. And I think you're going to see that as we talk to him. Welcome, Randy. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Hi, Darshan. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. So if you don't mind, give us a little bit of an idea, uh, you know, where you started out and how you kind of ended up where you did uh, now. That's a long road. Um, so <laughs> You're not that old. You look pretty young. <laughs> I went to school for mechanical engineering. Um, and so that's what I got my degree in. And then so I spent uh, 15 years in consumer product companies um, doing operations, doing product development, doing product marketing. Um, and that's really um, where I got my uh, sank my teeth into data and using data um, and got started in visualizing data because we were just buried in it um, and really having uh, a hard time getting it communicated. So, you know, if you look out there, there's really no easy career path to data visualization. I mean, if you look at all the professionals in data visualization, they all have varied backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. And I was even in accounting for a while. I was in uh, materials management for a while. I mean, so it's it's a it's a really varied background that I have, but it was all because um, I just had interest in all these different things and I wanted to see how all these different things played together. You know, I have a sense, because you said mechanical engineering to where you are now, I have a sense there's been a few aha moments personally that you've had that kind of put you on this path, because it sounds like you're more uh, technical engineering, but then you ended up with products and then eventually data visualization. Are there some personal aha moments that you've had that kind of put you on this path? Uh, probably, if we wanted to talk through that, it's almost like a like a therapist session, right? You know, there's probably a, a, a few uh, along the way because I, I definitely made some career changes along the way. It was never like my goal. Like I wasn't like looking out into the future. I really want to end up in data visual. That was never the the right. long term vision. Um, it just you know certainly worked out that way. Um, you know, after 15 years in consumer product companies, um, I'll tell you the way it actually turned out is that um, in about, I think it was 2007, um, I started the Cool Infographics website. Uh-huh. And, and the point of starting it was to figure out how blogs worked. Um, because I was, you know, VP of marketing and product development um, for a product or a consumer product company. And I didn't want to start an official company blog until I knew what blogs were like and what kind of interaction you could get with consumers and, um, you know, what kind of data you could get, but also what kind of experience it would give to people coming to visit the website. So I had no idea how blogs worked. So I started Cool Infographics just as a, as a personal kind of experiment on the side. I didn't expect it to even last longer than six months. It was just sort of a play website. Um, and after that, about six months, um, it was getting more traffic than the 
company website was. So, you know, I, I, I kept it running, you know, so and it was just a place for me to post, um, you know, here's some, you know, designs and infographics that that I really liked because I was keeping some up on my walls in the office and some in a file folder of just, you know, here are graphics that I really liked that were inspirational for me that I would use to then, you know, maybe copy, maybe just be inspired by to design some of my data um, and new ways to communicate my data. Um, and so that's how I started Cool Infographics. And people started asking me, would you do design work? And I had to keep turning them down because I had a, you know, a full-time job, right. you know? And so I, you know, but those, those queries kept coming in. Um, and in 2009, I was between jobs. And so while I was doing job hunting, um, I figured, yeah, I'll just do a couple of design, you know, jobs on the side and just see how it goes. Um, and pretty soon I was doing more design work than job hunting work. Um, and so I said, well, I better, better, you know, create an LLC and a company and actually formulate this. Right. <laughs> and so in 2010, I actually formulate, you know, made an LLC for InfoNute and for founded my company. And here I am. I'm still doing it. That's you know? great. That's great. So you actually, like I said, you really have a passion for this. And if you had to say, what do you think made your graphics and infographics really stand out right away? I mean, do you have a kind of a sense of, you know, what made you really resonate with people in the audience? Yeah, it was very different at the time, right? And so um, I have been around for a long time. I remember using Harvard Graphics and Lotus One Two Three, and you know some of the the very early charting programs. Okay, now Randy, you you are dating yourself now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and uh, you know, and so presentations and the way people would communicate, especially as as the internet started growing up, was almost all text. Right. Or if you were to give a presentation, it was just very wordy um, presentation slides, um, all bullet points, you know, or it was just the stock chart, you know. And so very quickly, the stuff that I was designing was was different. It was putting people or icons into the design, um, which actually resonates with the audience and they can start to see themselves or how do I fit into that story? Um and so it was it was a very fresh way to to look at design and there were only i mean i can probably count on my fingers the number of people that were doing it at the time mm, interesting because okay, this is more for the realm of big publications and uh, high-end graphics and stuff, not at the level that people were seeing on everyday uh, work products or uh, presentations for real products and services is that what was going on at that time yeah before before probably around 2008, 2007, something like that. Even the word infographics was really a, a, a news, you know, function, right? So you were in the back room at a magazine or a newspaper, you did infographics design. And so you would see some kind of uh, data visualization or news graphics um, designed as like a big page spread um, in a newspaper, you know, or something like that. And that was the word infographics. That's what it meant back then until the internet started to create this new definition of what an infographic was. Yeah, I remember one of the first times I kind of got a little bit exposed to it. If you remember USA Today, when they came out with their publications, Absolutely. I mean, they, they were really the on the frontier of visualizing information in a very uh, interesting manner. And I think that really helped with their initial, uh, you know, uh, sales and recognition. And uh, uh, so you clearly remember them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, USA Today did a number of, you know, they have that chart that would basically have on the front page. Yep. Um, and they really um, started the idea of making the 
the chart, the visual relevant to whatever the data was that they were referring to, right? If it was about cars, the illustration would have cars in it, you know, or if it was about um, soda, it would have bottles or cans in it, you know, or something like that. You know, it was, it was the idea of tying the visual and making it relevant to the data that you were talking about. And, and it helped make it more uh, understandable, but also memorable to the audiences. Absolutely. I think you're right. And I think it goes back to something you said a minute ago, too, is about telling a story, um, because it's not just about the graphics and the colors. Uh, I mean, and you tell me how much of it is really about the storytelling. Uh, most of it's about the storytelling. Um, you know, I, I tell people, you know, that the data visualization design is not about making your charts pretty. It's really about communicating the data. Right. And so even if it's just a black and white chart and does a really good job of communicating the data, it's all about you know, communicating whatever that um, that insight or that key message is that you're trying to communicate. If that's the whole point of it, um, we'd like them to look good. We like them to be aesthetically pleasing. And there are, there are ways to do that and use design tricks and tactics to to make things look better. But that's not the goal. Yeah. So it's not a competition to show how many fonts you have on your computer. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Please no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but I, I think sometimes people uh, think being creative is, 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 is doing that kind of stuff. And that's not at all. And I agree with you. It's really about being creative in the storytelling and keeping it simple, but, uh, you know, uh, really tied to the theme in the story. Take me through, if you don't mind, a little bit of that to kind of help people is the creative thought process you go through. Like when you get a lot of clients come to you with insights, um, you know, how do you kind of look at them and say, how, you know, give me kind of the thought process or an example of how you then try to visualize it um, so that, you know, you can get the whole story and the insight conveyed to people. So we, we have a design process um, at InfoNute that we've sort of fine-tuned uh, over the years. Um, and so we we start with the data. Um, and going through this process actually helps uh, clients and customers really sort of focus their message as well. So sometimes they don't quite understand the data as well as they should when they start this process. Um, but we start with the data and make sure, number one, um, is all the data already gathered? Do they, do they already have all the data? They might be in the middle of running the survey and know that they want to start this design process, so they may not have all the data yet. Um, they may be purchasing the data, or they may be digging it out of their own archive of data. Um, sometimes they already know exactly what their insight is. They've already found their insight, and they're bringing it to us to help communicate whatever that insight is. Sometimes they don't. Um, and they're still in that process and, and need help trying to figure out what is it they can communicate from the data. Um, so we always start with that. I mean, we're not even designing yet. We're just trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to work with? And is this data available? And, you know, is it accessible? Um, and then we try and talk about what's the mechanism they're going to use to communicate that? You know, is it going to be a presentation? Is it going to be an infographic? Is it going to be a blog post? Is it going to be a report or a brochure that they give to the sales team or to customers? Um, because we want to know, you know, the, the format that we're working in and how much space we're going to have to tell the story about whatever the insight is we're communicating. And we'll, we'll wireframe that, right? So we'll block it off and say, okay, there's going to be some background info that you're going to need before you understand this key message that we're communicating. Um, and then you want to end up with 
what is it you want people to do with that information, right? So there is some sort of conclusion or call to action that says, okay, now I want you to buy our product or visit our website or um, go sign up for the benefits program or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, there's some sort of conclusion or call to action of you want something to somebody to do something with this data that you've now communicated to them. I think that's a really important point because a lot of times I think people lose fact of it's not just informational, right? It's actually, you need to know your audience and what it is you want your audience to do with this data. And I think that's a really important point. I think a lot of times people miss that. Is, is that what? And so many times people miss that. I mean, so many times it's just like a data dump, right? It's yeah. like, here's all the data and then they just leave it hanging, right? And there's no, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, what, what do I do with this data? And it doesn't have to be a big, heavy sales pitch, you know, or heavy handed persuasive. It's just like, you know, give me a place to go, go visit my website, go sign up for my newsletter, you know, go, you know, whatever it is, you know, go fill out this form in HR, you know, whatever it is the data is, because, you know, the data could be completely internal and not external. Um, but there, there's some reason that you're communicating this data and you want people to use it. Exactly. It's not just showing the bar chart, right? It's actually telling me the relationship between the bars and the numbers and what's the significance of that. Right. Yeah. And there's even a, a deeper one if you want to go back to there's this process that data is solving business problems. Uh -huh. So you always want to tie your, your data and your conclusion back to a business problem. Right. And so, you know, if there was a, an initial business question, we said, hey, we can answer that with data. You go get the data. You you then analyze the data and find the answer. But then you got to finish and say, now that we found this answer in the data, this is what it means to the business and what we should do as a business because of what we found in the data. Right. And then I think I think that exponentially increases the satisfaction of the work, the data and everything, because now it's relevant and they have an action plan from that. Right. And you're seeing, you know, people react to it. You're seeing the business, you know, act and make motion and, and do things because of the data and the analysis you did or the data you gathered or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what else is a, a part of that process? And I guess also, I often find a lot of times people include too much in one visual or one slide or, or so on. So what, what do you, what do you do regarding that? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Not to jump ahead, but so, yeah. So in our process, you know, we were at that point, we were wireframing, you know, is it a presentation? Let's say it's an infographic, right? And so we would lay out an infographic and we would have these different sections of the story that we want to tell in the infographic. Only then would we actually start doing any design work. Um, and we would do some design concepts about here's the kind of chart types we could use to visualize this data and this insight. Um, it might be different chart uh, styles. One might be fun and lighthearted. One might be really serious and business oriented. Um, one might be exactly using the company brand strategy, you know, the band style guide, or one might be, okay, we're going to push that a little bit to the edge so that it's, you know, new and fresh. And we might make something that looks um, very different and, you know, get people to, to look at new ideas. Mm -hmm. And so we would we would show them the same exact data, the same story, probably in three or four different ways. Mm. Right. So they can see it and you start to get some feedback as to what's resonating, you know, what's working. You know, I like these colors, but I like these icons, but I like the idea of using photos. We've never used photos before, you know, and so we might mix and match some of these ideas together into what turns into the final product. I have a feeling you, you've done this long enough, though, that you probably have a sense when you give people three options, you pretty much know this is the one that's going to work. And I'm kind of curious, what are some of those things that you know are definitely going to work? 
you know, sometimes we do. And sometimes obviously we get surprised. You yeah. know, sometimes they'll pick something like, I never thought they would pick that one, but they did. <laughs> you know, we, we still get that as well, you know, but simpler um, is usually the winner. Um, a lot of companies are still very conservative with their communication. Um, you know, we like to push them a little bit outside their comfort zone, but generally they, they tend to, to fall back into what is, you know, more conservative and, and more sure. simple ways to, to communicate data. Um, but then once we put it into, you know, we take, we mix and match these ideas and take their feedback into consideration. And we actually put the whole design together now in, into one first draft, like the full first draft. Um, then we show it to somebody who hasn't even been a part of this process at all. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, it could be somebody at their company. It could be, um, it's sometimes it's, you know, just, you know, somebody's spouse, you know, or, you know, just somebody who's outside the, the, the design process to see if they're getting the story. Right. Cause sometimes we can be so close to it and we're talking about, well, you know, we got to move this icon over to the left or, you know, which font we're using, you know, and then we start getting into those really nitty gritty details and we're missing the point that someone doesn't understand the story. Yeah. Right? And yeah, so we I get mean, this outside great, view yeah. and we basically learn, are they getting that insight or that message we're trying to communicate or not? Or have we gone too far um, and we need to go take a step back and try and refocus on the message? I think there's great value in trial balloons for sure like that, because sometimes you just don't know and you actually do learn a lot. And uh, it can uh, it's just sometimes the little tweaks can make the big difference. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry, go ahead with your process. You're just getting me interested in. So. <laughs> well, and then, you know, assuming we get our good feedback, you know, or whatever, and they do understand it, um, then it usually takes a handful of iterations to get from that first draft to a final product, right? Because sometimes it has to go through legal review or the executives have to sign on or sign off on it. Um, we do, you know, a number of uh, designs for the healthcare industry. So sometimes we even have to get Mm-hmm. A medical professional to sign off on it to make sure that we're, you know, communicating actual information or not communicating something we shouldn't be, right. um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so it has to go through all those processes and then we'll basically finalize the design, right? And we got, you know, everybody's got their logo on it. We got the website on there. We got the the copyright information on there. We'll make the final JPEG or PDF or print ready files or whatever that is. And then, you know, make those files ready for release. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if it's going to a website, that's one thing. If it's going to the sales team to give to clients, that's a different way to release products, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. And so uh, you've been doing this long enough. You've seen, a, I think, a tangible difference in reaction to these uh, presentation of data this way versus what they were doing before, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, it really makes a difference, um, especially when you are presenting data um, and I'll say most of our designs are actually, you know, more B2B type designs, whether uh-huh. it's internal or between companies. So people are sitting through, whether it's a presentation, they're sitting through a day of presentations, like executives have a board meeting and they're sitting through presentations all day long. Um, or clients have, you know, vendors coming in, giving presentations and, and sales pitches all day long. And so it's just a breath of fresh air to get something that's just not another PowerPoint, you know, that's using all the default charts again. You know, it's just makes it so fresh and then makes it a whole conversation about just talking about the design let alone then they end up talking about the product and it, it turns into a, a, a real game changer. 
Is there an example that really stands out in your mind in terms of where they started out initially and then where you came in, helped with the visuals and where they ended up? It was like, you know, a complete night day. Can you give some example of it? I mean, if not exact names, what maybe industry, whatever, just to get an idea of, you know, I, I think examples are always really useful to kind of put all this together with what you're saying. Um, there have been a number of them um, where visuals have made uh, a huge difference. Um, for example, hotels.com um, maintains a website just for the press. Mm-hmm. But hotels.com, they because they manage you know, reservations across all the hotel chains, their data is actually data about the whole hotel industry, mm. right? They're not specific just to one hotel chain. They, they, if you gather all the data that Hotels.com can see, it is actually indicative of how the whole hotel industry is going. And so they release a lot of that data on their press website. Mm. Um, and so years ago, we ran a number of infographics um, on their press site. And so it wasn't even on their main site. It was just, these are infographics designed for the press. Um, and they talked about changes from year to year about um, what you know, hotel guests were asking for in hotel rooms or changes in price or popular destinations. Um, you know, all these things that they could share because they were an industry leader and they could communicate to the press. And they had been putting out reports that were just data tables for years. And was their goal to basically get mentions and stuff in the press so that it gets their name out there as well? Okay. Right. It gets their name out there and builds their credibility, builds their expertise in the industry. Um, And so it's just sort of a brand building exercise for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you can get your name mentioned in the press, then you didn't have to pay for advertisements. You didn't have to pay for marketing, right? It's it's press. Um, And so- like I said, they've been for years been putting them out as tables of data because they have this data and they've been trying to share this and get some some mention of it. And so we uh, designed a series over a course of a couple of years of infographics and put a whole infographics page on their press page. Mm-hmm. Um, and just by making it visual made a huge difference in how much of the press were would pick up this data <laughs> and then repost it, right? So they would, it's, it's really easy to repost an infographic, you know, or even a snapshot or a clip of an infographic versus taking a data table and then trying to decipher a data table and, and print that in the press. Um, it made a huge difference to the kind of popularity they were getting. I guess they were actually just taking your entire graphic and just using it as is without any changes or anything. Right. Absolutely. Because that's <laughs> kind of the point of infographics is you <laughs> right. want people to share it, right? You want people to grab it and share it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they must have been really thrilled with that. Cause I can imagine that that probably helped the site become more of a, a regular source for information too. Then, Absolutely. And a lot of companies do that. A lot of companies use infographics as a way to share these, the data and insights that they have to their industry. Um, you know, it's not something that's going to, you know, go viral on social media, but it, to their industry, it's something that's big news because it's something that not everybody in the industry has access to. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. And I think it's a great strategy for companies to use if they can have a way to aggregate information, you know, in their industry and then have it something that the press can use. And I think do what you're doing, which is, you know, give the infographics. Um, seems like a win-win all around. I mean, I think it's a great, I think that's a great example. I like that a lot. So is there, if I don't know, I'm saying three, but is there other like, you know, three, four or five tips that you think people should really think about when they're going from information to actually sharing uh, that? Well, I can, I can come up with 10. We can go down. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
the, the easy one is to, to visualize your data, right? Because visual information not only is, is easier and faster to understand, but it's more memorable, right? And ideally, right, you're trying to share information that you want people to act on, and they're not going to act on it till probably days, maybe even weeks later. Mm -hmm. And so they have to remember what you showed them, right? They're not going to, you know, when it comes time to make that business decision or purchase decision or health decision or whatever it is, um, go, where was that? that slideshow or where was that PowerPoint I went through? They, they, you know, they're just going to try and remember what you told them. Um, and, you know, visuals are something like 60%, you know, more memorable than just text or talking to somebody. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's been taking that old ad is right. A picture's worth a thousand words. Use it to your advantage. <laughs> Use it to your advantage. Absolutely. Um, and the second thing I would say is go beyond the defaults. Um, this is what I think most charts suffer from, most presentations suffer from, is that people hit the chart button and think they're done, mm. right? They think that the default chart is what a good chart looks like. Um, and, the, you know, and the misnomer is we have our two part, you know, we have the, the companies, the software companies. So we have Microsoft making Excel and PowerPoint. We have Tableau. We have, you know, we have all these companies making software mm -hmm. and their default chart is trying to show you everything their chart can do. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they don't know what data you're bringing to the table. So they just, you know, set up their defaults to show you both axes, to show you grid lines, to, to put data labels out there, to you know, and to label everything, you know. And, and so they want to show you what their chart can do. And then you have somebody who's designing the chart and they hit the chart button and say, oh, well, Microsoft's a big company. They must know what a good chart looks like. So that must be what a good chart is. And so I'm just going to I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to leave it alone. And you just get not only you get a chart that's just messy and you got everything, um, but two, you get all these charts that look exactly the same. Right. Right. Because they just you just leave all the defaults. And I call that the tyranny of the default. Right. They just leave the defaults and never really clean it up to tell a story about your data, the data that you're trying to communicate. Um, and that's really what I spend a lot of time teaching about is how do you use design principles to highlight and draw you know, your audience's eye to the data that you're trying to communicate and tell a story with that. So you're saying you can do these things with existing software, like let's say the uh, you know spreadsheets and so on. You don't need specialized software, or you're saying, oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can do this in Excel and PowerPoint. It's not like we go out to you know Adobe Creative Suite to be able to do this stuff. I mean, it's just customizing a chart in PowerPoint before you give your presentation to make your data stand out um, and make your data what automatically draws your audience's attention um, is going to make a huge difference when you're trying to communicate that. So, I mean, it's a little bit hard to do because we're not uh, doing a visual podcast audio, but if you can, like, what, what, give me an idea what somebody could do with a, a basic pie chart or a bar chart uh, with a few, you know, understanding of some principles or clicks to maybe, you know, make it much more unique and different and uh, uh, standing out. So the easiest thing is color, right? The easiest thing you can do. So by default, um, every data series has its own color. Mm -hmm. um, and that's great if you're doing the data analysis or you're giving somebody a chart to, for, for them to do analysis and look at. Um, but if you're trying to communicate and talk about one of those pie slices or one of those uh, product lines on a line chart that has 10 different lines on it, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want them all to have color because then your audience is trying to figure out which one you're talking about. Right. It's so easy in PowerPoint to make those other lines or those other pie slices shades of gray. They're still there. They're still there for reference and for context. 
but the only one in color is the one you're talking about. And so it is just so just base simple that this one pie slice is in blue. Everything else is shades in gray. This is the customer segment we're talking about. There's no question. Everybody knows that's what we're talking about is that one segment. And then maybe the next slide highlights the next pie segment, you know, and in a different color. And that's the one we're talking about on this slide, you know, and it just makes it so easy. And it's like your audience can understand that pie chart in less than a second. Within nanoseconds, they understand that's the pie slice we're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're saying, because a lot of times the biggest challenge is getting people to remember and retain what you told them, right? And you know, right. one thing you can tell them in uh, audio, and that's only going to go so far, but when you combine the audio and the visual and they're in sync and you keep them focused, then I'm sure the retention rate goes up exponentially. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing is, and you mentioned this, I think you mentioned this earlier, is to focus on one thing that you're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. Don't try and throw everything into one chart. You know, don't try and throw five messages or 10 messages with notes and call outs, you know, and, all, you know, just and keep that one chart up, you know, on, say, a presentation, you know, for 10 minutes while you're talking about 10 different things about this chart, um, because they won't remember all that because it was just one visual and you're trying to get them to remember 10 different things. Yeah. You know, you can highlight one thing, move to the next slide. It could be the same chart, but a different thing is highlighted. Right. Right. And so that it's actually different each time so that you have one key message that you're trying to get them to understand and listen to and right. then remember for each chart you're showing them. You know what I find a lot of times presenters don't realize that, you know, the even though the audience should be paying attention to you, they it's hard for them to maintain full concentration attention because they have competing thoughts like, right. You know, like what I'm going to have for lunch, you know, okay. am I going to, what am I going to do after work? I mean, all these kind of things. Right. But, and I think those distractions come in faster when you require them to think too much or work too much to try to figure out what it is you're trying to show them. Because then it's like, Oh, this is just too much work. Right. They'll look at you, the guys might glaze over, but then they go to another thought. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, text is another problem too. Right. So if you give them too many words, they're reading and not listening to you. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we try to, whether it's a presentation or an infographic, we try to minimize the text as much as possible and make as much of that communication visual as we can um, so that they're paying attention to you and to visuals to the to where we're trying to focus your attention um, and not to be sitting there and reading, you know, sentences of data or paragraphs of data, especially on a PowerPoint slide, you know, or something like that. Because um, you're right, they can't pay attention to both. Yeah. They can't be, you know, thinking about what's coming up for lunch and reading this presentation <laughs> slide and listening <laughs> Do you explain, you know, what you learn from that data? It, it's just not going to happen. Is there an ideal time frame you recommend that people should keep their presentations within? Um, no. Um, I know, I mean, people love the 10, 20, 30 rule, uh -huh. um, you know, which is uh, 10 slides in 20 minutes um, and nothing smaller than 30 point font. I don't know if you've heard that rule before. I've heard that rule, yeah. Um, People love that and people talk about using that for pitch presentations, but um, it really depends on who your audience is and what you're presenting, uh -huh. um, you know, because I'll do 45 minute presentations at conferences. I'll do, you know, much smaller, you know, 10 or 20 minute presentations um, as guests for classes, you know, and so it really depends on who your audience is and what you're talking about um, and how much meat they really want to see. When you get to the longer uh, lengths, is it much more interactive at that point as opposed to more one way? 
it is. Um, I try to make it more interactive. Um, if you think about my topic, right? So it, my topic is very visual. Right. So if I have a 45 minute or say an hour presentation, I'm going to go through 150, 180 slides. I mean, I go through about three slides a minute. Wow. Um, because people want to see examples. They want right. to see, you know, good and bad um, examples of design and what it looks like. They don't want to talk about it. They want to, you know, go see how do you do that in Excel or what does that look like when you say you want to highlight something in a chart? You know, it's, so they actually want to see examples of that. And so um, my kind of presentations just give them a lot. And so you don't sit on one slide for five minutes. Um, and that tends to to make presentations really long when they're just listening to you talk for five, 10 minutes and, and nothing's changing visually. Well, this is great. I mean, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I think you gave a lot of good tips and, and hopefully uh, people will have much better presentations uh, and, and find ways to really visualize their data to have more impact and, and get results. Are there any, some final thoughts or tips you want to uh, add to the conversation? Um, visuals are super powerful. Um, and a lot of people who work with data, um, can stumble when it comes time to, they've done all this analysis, they've done all this research, and now it, it, it it's time to now communicate this to somebody who's generally a non-data professional, and they, they can stumble at that point. And so it, it really, it is worth the time to design a chart or a presentation or a data visualization to do a better job at communicating to somebody who hasn't gone through the kind of research you have or the kind of analysis you have because they don't want to do all that. They just want to know what the result is, right? And you just want to communicate that and design something that does a better job at communicating. Um, and that's a different way of using data visualization than, than using it for an analysis. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, and that you know brings your insights and things to a whole other level so that you can actually get them implemented and act upon, acted upon as well. So, yep. Um, if anybody needs to, wants to get a hold of you, what are the best ways to get a hold of you, Randy? Um, so the easiest way, um, I've got one website at randycrum.com um, that has links pretty much to everything. Um, you can get anywhere there. Um, so infonute.com is my company website. Uh, Coolinfographics.com is is still going strong. That's where you can continue to find good examples of design and links to uh, tools for design and helpful tips and reference guides for data visualization design and infographic design um, and information about my book and everything else on Coolinfographics.com. So those are the three main places you can find me. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Randy. This was very helpful. I appreciate you uh, giving us uh, tips and uh, ways to make our insights more impactful and uh, resonate with audiences, because I think that's a big uh, challenge for many people. But hopefully they'll be on the right path once they hear what you've got to offer here. Thank you, Darshan. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Getting to AHA was brought to you by iResearch. To find out more about us, head to iResearch.com. And make sure to search for Getting to AHA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening. <laughs>